this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. You're listening to Goodfellas Minute 141. I know I'd go from rags to riches If you would only say you care Hello and welcome to Goodfellas Minute, the only podcast that analyzes the Martin Scorsese picture Goodfellas one my way, minute at a time. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm with Ron Richards. You're getting a little accent when he says Scorsese there. By the end of the movie, you're talking with a New York accent. I like it. <laughs> I, can, I, can, I can fake it. And Connor Kilpatrick. Hello. It's our final week. It is. And this final week starts with an update on Henry. Where's he at now? And it ends with costume designer Richard Bruno. So I, I love tell you where to get those shirts. <laughs> I love this is our moment that we get, to, we get to dig deep into the credits now. Start I'm waiting. One way to... For months. That's one way to look at it. Yeah. For months. For months. Months. <laughs> There's a flashback for you. <laughs> All right, Ron. So okay, I haven't done so, the credits for six weeks. All right. So as the credits, as the coda starts, as we've been calling it, the movie says, as of 1990, uh, it says Henry Hill was still in the witness protection program. In 1987, he was arrested in Seattle, Washington for a narcotics conspiracy, and he received five years probation. Since 1987, he has been clean. So for three years, he's been clean. <laughs> So for three years at that point, he's been clean. So whether or not he was clean is open to debate. Uh, yeah. We know for sure he claims he was clean from 1987 to 2005. Right. That's what he claims. He was actually expelled from the witness protection program in the early 1990s due to numerous minor arrests. <laughs> so One of them so, involving a trunk full of fish? <laughs> So even though he was in the witness protection program, they did not make it clear that he could not commit crimes. <laughs> so, yeah, so basically he was kicked out of the witness protection program in the early 1990s. And then eventually he basically laid low until 2005. And then 2005, things kind of blow up and it's a mess for several years. In 2005, he was arrested in Nebraska because he left his luggage at the airport in North Platte, Nebraska. And when they looked at his luggage, they found, uh, <laughs> they found, they found glass pipe with cocaine and methamphetamine, uh, residue in them. And, uh, he, he was, uh, arrested for that. And in September, 2005, he was sentenced to 180 days for attempted methamphetamine possession. <laughs> hmm. So that's really got a question. Wait a, the, wait a minute. How do you attempt possession? Well, because it was like a binary thing. It's like you either have it or you don't have it. It was because it's residue on the pipes. So it's so he didn't have the the meth on him, but he had pipes that clearly were used for using meth. Feels (laughs) like attempt is not the right word. Right. Listen, we're not lawyers. (laughs) I don't know. Justice Department. (laughs) We're we're not. Listen, I I attempted to have to possess this meth, and I just I failed. All right, we know you attempted it. We can't prove that you did, but we know you attempted it. Yeah, but so this he's is a math. 
So he does 180 days in prison for that. And then he gets out. And in 2006, uh, he participates in a photo shoot for Entertainment Weekly where they did one of those reunion fo- you know, kind of things. And he does a photo shoot with Ray Liotta. And the apparently, criminal that they based it on. Exactly. And apparently this was the first time that they had interacted in all those years. And uh, two days after that photo shoot, Ray Liotta convinced Henry Hill to go to rehab. Whoa. <laughs> Ray so, Liotta knew a user when he saw one is what you're saying. Yeah, clearly Ray Liotta picked up on Henry having some issues. And, and, and Henry Hill attributes Ray Liotta two days later after that photo shoot, talking to go to rehab. So he goes to rehab. He gets clean again. And then in uh, 2009, he gets uh, two years probation for drug-related arrests. And then in, in December 2009, uh, he's arrested for disorderly conduct and resisting arrest, which uh, he attributed to the fact that he was having drinking problems. Around this time, if you guys remember, in the late 2000s, he really started making appearances in media a lot. Yep. He would be on the Howard Stern show quite often, and he would, he would do any documentary that came knocking to talk about it <laughs> um, uh, like in 2001 he was on the mob week special on amc where him and other uh other ex-mobsters talked about the godfather and goodfellas and stuff like that and he basically attributed it to that anybody who wanted him dead for testifying against them were dead anyway so he was safe now that's so weird isn't it weird it's so weird it's like one of the, one of the enduring mob mysteries how he got away with it why they never got back at him yeah well, apparently, maybe they just realized that he's getting back at himself. So they just kind of they just kind of let him do self self uh, destruct there. But uh, he entered into various business ventures uh, to try to capitalize on his fame for a little while. While he was in Nebraska, right around the attempted methamphetamine possession, uh, he was a chef at an Italian restaurant. He actually packaged his his tomato sauce and called it Sunday Gravy and sold it on the internet. Um, and he's stirring it though. Exactly. And then in October 2007, uh, he opened uh, a restaurant in West Haven, Connecticut called Wise Guys. <laughs> just, it's just blatant. It's just. <laughs> He's sort of like the early reality star, right? Yeah. You, you do whatever you can to capitalize on your name. Any, yep. any shticky thing. And uh, we talked about a little when, uh, when our friend David was on the show who knew Henry, but he also sold his paintings on eBay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was another area that he was making money. We're going to talk about what happened with him and Karen next, but uh, spoiler, they separated. And he actually spent the last 14 years of his life with the same woman, uh, his girlfriend, Lisa Caserta. And uh, she confirmed on June 12, 2012, one day after he turned 69, that he passed away in a hospital in Los Angeles. And her, the quote she gave to CBS News uh, from Lisa Caserta was that he'd been sick for a long time. His heart gave out. He went out pretty peacefully for a good fella. And uh, the, the truth behind it was that he suffered a heart attack. And then uh, he suffered a heart attack right before his death. And that he died from complications from the longtime heart problems related to smoking. And I'm sure cocaine. I'm sure the methamphetamine. Meth? He, yeah. <laughs> meth? <laughs> So uh, and then he was he was cremated the day after he passed away. So Henry's story and story, yeah. <laughs> I mean, let's so, you know, yeah. So he he continued a life of crime and a life of wrestling with substances and I really I mean it's kind of I don't know it's it, I, I it's funny because like I always separated the real Henry Hill from the Henry Hill that we see depicted in this movie well, because I feel like the real yeah because the real Henry Hill was just a kind of a loser. You know, like, I don't know. It's just, it's I think, rough. I think, I think Ray Liotta plays one. He's just better looking. 
Yeah, that's true. I mean, I mean, like him using his name to cash in. I mean, wouldn't like his whole life was about doing whatever you could, you know, scrape up anything to cash in on something, make money. And, right. and the easiest thing to do would be to use the fame that he ended up with himself. Yeah. So, you know, it makes sense. He's not, you know, he's not even hurting anybody doing that. It's not like it's more shameful than robbing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. In that sense. And he was on a lot of doc. There are a lot of documentaries produced between 2010 and 2012 that he was in. Yeah. <laughs> he was in the one about, we talked about it. That was about the point shaving. Yep. Right. Yep. That was narrated by Ray Liotta. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's not, let's not only, let's not only give <laughs> Henry Hill t- a tough time about this. Yeah. It's not a lot of, t- there's a lot of times where, where Ray Liotta could be like, no, nah, I, I think I'm good with that. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, I just, I just feel sad. I, I feel. I feel like this. The 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 story of Henry Hill is is riddled with <laughs> mistakes and and yeah. problems. It's just sad. I don't know That's that all. it's. Is it sad? Like like, really? I mean, it's a big question. But like, yeah. is it sad or is it sort of like apropos? Like he could have got. It could have been a lot worse. Yeah. I don't know. Just it, I mean. I, I mean, at what point? I mean, how old? So he's sixty nine in twenty twelve. So how old is he in twenty in two thousand five? He's. That's seven years. So he's sixty-two, smoking meth. Yeah, that's sad. I mean, just because he had, I mean, what he had was a real opportunity to, to be a thing, right? You know, and to to actually turn his life around. But he probably had no capability to do that. Doesn't wouldn't know how to live that. He's, the whole movie is about how he doesn't know how to live like normal people anyway. Yeah, normal people don't live like this. Yeah, I just I just think it's sad. Ron's missing the romance and the grandeur of the mafia death. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is. I mean, it is a heart attack in a hospital because he was doing drugs. Like, that's sad. Like, of course, of course, he had heart problems related to smoking. No, it was related to the cocaine and meth. All of it. I mean, I'm not sure the smoking and the drinking. All of it. Yeah, and the drinking. Yeah, yeah. All right. It's not like he was out there jogging. (laughs) Should we move on? Hustling. Yes. Move on. All right. So the next credit, the next coda text that we get, and beautiful Helvetica. Uh, says in 1989, Henry and Karen Hill separated after 25 years of marriage. So they did not last. This is the only little bit about Karen in the end coda. And there's not a lot about Karen in the real world. Uh, she has kept her privacy post uh, witness protection program. She's the only one still alive, right? Yeah, yeah. So they, they separated in 1989. They did not get divorced until 2002. Interesting. Uh, yeah, and at, and at some point they were living together again in Rockville Center on Long Island in the late '90s, um, but then eventually separated, and and Henry shacked up with Lisa, and she moved on. It's hard to resist the allure of Long Island, isn't it, Ron? Well, it, it, well listen, Rockville Center was home for them. For Everybody them. eventually comes home. Yeah, exactly. I had an Uber driver who was from Rockville Center the other day. So there you go. Um, <laughs> Did you talk about it? We did, we did. I asked him if he knew Henry. He didn't. No. Um, but so, uh, so she. So as far as I know, she's still alive. She continues to use an alias, though. She's smart, protect, protecting her identity, as do her children. So their children change their names. And actually, what's, what's also interesting, which I saw this, this is in the the Wikipedia listing for Karen. I didn't realize that the Hill children released a book in two thousand four called "On the Run: A Mafia Childhood." Uh, and, interesting. You want to read that now, the, don't you? I kind of do. And uh, the book depicts uh, the children named Greg and Gina discuss how their grandparents on – so Karen's parents, how their grandparents on Karen's side and Karen's two younger sisters, Cheryl and Ellen, who are not in the movie at all, by the way, 
I thought I, the movie makes it look like Karen's an only child. Right. And she had sisters, apparently. Well, Henry had a brother that was not in the movie either. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, and they had a son, which wasn't in the movie either. They just showed two daughters, remember? But so apparently they, they reminisce about the fact that their grandparents and aunts helped take care of them while Karen and Henry were out uh, doing what they did. Drugs? Yeah. So there you go. That's all I got on Karen. All so right. who knows where she is today? Probably listening. <laughs> Do you think? God, no. If you're Karen Friedman Hill and you're listening to this podcast, please write us at contactthegoodfellowsminute.com. You don't, we don't have to tell anyone. Yeah, you know, if that's a stuff. thing, you know what? <laughs> if you're anybody, not anybody, anybody, but, you know, somebody. Just you know, email us and just, say, and just say, yes, I'm listening. And we, we won't respond. We'll, we'll respect your privacy, but just give us a anybody. sign. We don't want an interview. We just we want validation. I mean, that's what it is. That's all it is. We're not right, going to so get it. Moving on in the coda, it says Paul Cicero died in 1988 in Fort Worth Federal Prison of respiratory illness. He was 73. That is correct, although his real name was Paul Vario. He died on May 3rd, 1988. He was at Fort Worth Federal Prison. He was uh, in the midst of serving a 10 to 12 year sentence for all the convictions that were tied to uh, Henry testifying against him. And he is currently buried at St. John Cemetery in Middle Village, Queens. You kind of want to visit it, don't you? I, I thought about it. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> Would that be weird? Is that weird? All right. Uh, then the next one is Jimmy Conway is serving, is currently, now this is as of 1990 when the movie came out. Yep. Jimmy Conway is, yeah, is currently serving a 20 years to life sentence for murder in a New York State prison. He will not be eligible for, for parole until 2004 when he will be 78 years old. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you guys think he made it to 2004? No. He did not. No, I didn't. Yeah, not yeah. that lifestyle. Yeah. So basically what happened was this was really interesting as I looked into it. I didn't realize as we were going into it, uh, he initially got arrested in 1980 for a parole violation. That's how they got him. They got him for associating with a known felon. Aren't they all? I know. Exactly. And then in 1982, he received the 12 year sentence for uh, the part he played in the Boston point shaving scandal that which of which Henry Hill testified. And so he was doing 12 years for that. And then while he was in prison, he was then also tried and convicted for the murder of Richard Eaton related to Lufthansa. For that, he received 20 years to life. He was serving his time at the Wend or Wendy Correctional Facility in Alden, New York. Um, and, there, and then uh, he came down with cancer, with, with either lung cancer or stomach cancer. And, uh, and he died on April 13th, 1996 in Buffalo, New York at the Roswell Park Cancer Institute. And what's interesting is that he died in the month that his lawyer had scheduled a motion to grant him parole uh, or, or free him, basically, on grounds that his civil rights had been violated. Wait, what year did he die? 1996. So do you think he saw the movie? Oh, that's a good question. Are they allowed to see movies in prison? Oh, yeah, they show movies yes. in prison. Sure. So, yeah, probably six years. Do you think that they would show Goodfellas, though? That's yes. Because it's, you know... Could rile them up, I guess. Like they all get they they get to see like Herbie the Lovebug. They don't get to see that. I feel like seeing Herbie the Lovebug would make them angrier. Yeah. What is this shit? Here's a good question. Let's say oh, you're shit. let's say let's say you're in prison, mm-hmm. and it's, it's it's Friday night movie night. Yeah. And they put in Goodfellas, and right. you've never seen it before, but you're like, oh, it's about crits like us, whatever. And then they get to the prison scene with fucking Bobby Darren playing. They're making tomato sauce. <laughs> <laughs> Another reason it's a bad movie to show. 
Right. Yeah. That's a good uh, question. If you work in a correctional facility, can you and you listen to the show, email us at contact at goodfellasminute.com and let us know if you'd show Goodfellas in a movie. In a, this, a this, one, this one, I think we've got a shot. We've got a shot on. <laughs> well, I think it's it also there. different because the person in the prison is a character in the movie. So that's a different consideration than just any old gangster film. Like, do you think he got a private show, a private viewing with Henry? No. <laughs> yeah, no. Henry came to visit him, and he brought the VHS tape. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, all right, we're gonna sit down, you, you behind the glass, and me right here. We're gonna watch this together for the most Man. awkward, the awkward two hours ever. The best video commentary. <laughs> and do you, do you think that Jimmy actually watches the movie, or just bores holes through the back of Henry's head with his eyes? Right. right. And you choose that, like, so that's like audio option six on the DVD, and it's just like mother. You. That's a good question. Do you think the last time Henry saw these guys was when he was testifying, or do you think he ever went to visit them in prison? No. Absolutely the last time he saw them was in that courtroom. Yeah. That's awkward. So who do you think was angrier? Was it Paulie or Jimmy? Jimmy, according to the character in the movie. Oh, yeah. No, that's a good question, because Paulie didn't want to go out like Gribbs, and he did. N- nobody wants to go out like Gribbs. Well, yeah, but, but no. he specifically said, that's not going to be me, and it was him. That's the thing about destiny. Yeah. <laughs> it's rough. All right, well, that's the coda. That wraps up uh, what happened to all the, the key players after the movie came out. All right, let's talk about uh, what we're listening to. Okay. Um, this actually started at the end of the last minute, and it's uh, Sid Vicious's version of My Way. My Way, of course, popularized by Frank Sinatra, but he did not write it. It was written by Paul Anka, and it was actually based on the melody of a French song called Comme d'habitude. That was 1967 when that uh, Paul Anka heard the song, and he's like, that album was terrible, but I like the melody. He bought the rights to it because he, he liked it. He wanted to do something with it. And then uh, Anka was having dinner with Frank Sinatra and, quote, a couple of mob guys. And uh, Sinatra <laughs> told him, I'm quitting the business. I'm sick of it. I'm getting the hell out. So then Anka went and he rewrote the French lyrics uh, for Sinatra, changing it a little bit, putting in the lyrics, and because uh, he, he wrote them the way that he thought Frank would say it. So, like, things like, uh, I ate it up and spit it out. Like, he's like, I wouldn't have said that, but Frank said it. And he, he called, you know, he called uh, he called Frank and said, I got this song for you, and he recorded it. And so in uh, 1969, that became, uh, I think it was number seven. Uh, no, I'm sorry. It became a, a big hit, because I tend to think of it as an older song, but it's actually a, a very late-era Frank Sinatra yeah. song. Yeah, well, um, yeah. Uh. And he hated it. Really? The song? By the end, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He, 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 yeah. he wouldn't perform it anymore. Oh, God. Yeah. In uh, 1978, as we were witnessing the end of the Sex Pistols, Sid Vicious did a solo project, um, <laughs> and this was one of the songs the Sid on Vicious it. Experience. He, he performed the Sid Vicious The Sid Vicious, yeah. It was a single first. It actually, this, uh, this single actually made it to number seven in the UK. He did a lot of sessions, but it's actually no Sex Pistols players on this. It's all French session players. The overdubbed solo from Steve Jones, the guitarist from the Sex Pistols. He changed the lyrics around a little bit. He said something about a guy in a hat. He was talking about Johnny Rotten. And he added, and he, some, he added some more colorful language, right? Some swearing. <laughs> yeah, so, some things like that. You can hear it at the end of the, the great rock and roll swindle. Uh, the sort of film of, sort of about the Sex Pistols. Wait, what year more was this song recorded? 78. So who was angrier... Jimmy going to prison or Frank Sinatra hearing this? Or Paul Anka. No, no, I'm thinking Sinatra. Paul Anka heard it. He didn't, he didn't mind it. He respected it for a thing. He didn't like it, but he was like, I, you know, I get it. It's a thing. Yeah, but, um, what is the quote? Look at the quote here. He said, Paul Anka said, quote, I was somewhat destabilized by the Sex Pistols version. <laughs> Not the Sex Pistols. He said the Sex Pistols version. That's wrong. Yeah, yeah well, yeah. That Paul was Anka. better. What does, he, what does he know? 
So what's interesting to me about this, hey, the fact that it's French session players is funny to me. I'm not sure why. Because I just like that's it sounds like a Sex Pistols song. And they just found like a random guy named Jean-Paul. to be Like, yeah. can you play a Les Paul like that? And he's like, sure. I mean, we, you know, it's funny because it, it's I was thinking about it and it's so on the nose why this is in here. Like it's it's a Frank Sinatra song, more or less. And as we get to the end of the movie, when the whole dream of this thing is shattered, you get this like disturbing, messed up version that is sort of caterwauled out. It's it's like a perfect metaphor. Yeah. As we've discovered throughout the show, yeah. much of the music All the is music. On, on the nose. Yeah. Super on the nose. I hate the beginning of this song. Like, it really bothers me. Really? Why? I, it's not in. It's not in. The, the strings part where it's like sounds all mealy mouth. Yeah. I don't know. I like the way that he sings. It really bothers me. <laughs> I ended up going down a Sid Vicious rabbit hole. Oh was, God, that's that's a da- that's I've been down that yep. hole. That's a dangerous yep. hole to go down. Yeah, at any point, and, did you do heroin while you were down that hole? Not, not. I it was attempted. <laughs> I tried to buy heroin. I bought meth. You, you attempted know, to possess it. Attempted to possess it. There's the <laughs> legend that Sid Vicious couldn't play. There's like a quote that you hear from Steve Jones. I was like, we couldn't play and he couldn't sing. And then they bring in Sid and they were like, we didn't even plug Sid in because he was so terrible. But like, the other side of the story is that he couldn't play. But like if he wanted to learn something, he would put his entire effort behind it. So like he stayed up all night learning the first Ramones record. You know, he, he did a bunch of speed to do it. But yeah. at the end of it, he could play that, you know, and, and yeah. he did that. But he didn't know what he was doing. You know, yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I mean, he got added to the sex. He got added to the Sex Pistols because he because of his look. You know? Yeah. The other half of it is they always say, you know, they, they, you know, Steve Jones would say like the Sex Pistols couldn't play, and I'm like, no, they could. They were very good players. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's so funny. I love, I love, I love that. There's there's a there's a quote. I'm looking at Sid Vicious's Wikipedia page, and there's a quote where Sid Vicious went to Lemmy, the bassist of Motorhead, and asked him to teach <laughs> teach him how to play bass. And he said the words, "quote unquote," I can't play bass. To which Lemmy replied, "I know." <laughs> <laughs> oh God! So do we have anything on the credits? The actual credits here? The the I have people. A couple of, yeah. Yeah, well, our first credit is the director of photography, Michael Ballhaus. Yeah, a German. Who's a legend and also a a longtime Scorsese collaborator and passed away. He has 119 cinematography credits, and he's been doing Scorsese movies since, um, oh, I just had After Hours, 1985. Yeah, then he went to the Color of Money. He did Last. Well, Attempt- what, what, what I find Christ. interesting, yeah, yeah. So he did. So he did Color of Money, Last Attempt of Christ, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, it's always great when you look at a, a really successful cinematographer because their stuff's all over the place. Like they're yeah. like, do you have a check? I will do this. Well, it's their job. The Legend yeah. of Bagger Vance. It was a beautifully shot movie. Yeah, was it? Yeah. yeah, he did Gangs of New York, which was, for all its failings, a, a beautiful movie. He did the last yeah. major movie he did was um, The Departed. You, did, so, you, pronounced it, you, pronounced, you pronounced it wrong. Padded. <laughs> he did. He did. Uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yeah. Or I pronounced it wrong. Dracula. <laughs> <laughs> if we're gonna sorry. go through all these names, we're gonna be we're here for another ten uh, years. I'm gonna pick out. Oh, a wait, couple. I'm sorry. I'm, he's, I'm totally wrong. He's not dead. He lives in Germany. No, I didn't think. <laughs> he, he lives in. He lives in. Ber- he lives in Berlin. He's, he's not dead. Comma, he lives in Germany, <laughs> colon, the Michael Ballhaus story. <laughs> I picked out Christy Z, who is the production designer, who I just looked at what she'd done. Mm. And the last thing that she did was uh, Robert De Niro's The Intern. So, you know, still keeping it up. Nice, with Working De Niro. with De Niro on 
Somebody yeah, more Connor, I agree with you. We, we can't do every name, but I feel yeah. like the name the names and the, these are the big names. These are the, the yeah, yeah. You can tell they're important because they get their own title card. I mean, like the next name is Thelma Schoenmacher. And that's the last one. Yeah, yeah. So Thelma, we we've mentioned many times in this. She's the editor of every one of Scorsese's movies since 1980s Raging Bull. Um, she's 76 now, which means that she did The Wolf of Wall Street, which. Just watching that makes me tired. So that's impressive <laughs> that a what it would have been seventy three year old woman made that movie look as fresh and sort of contemporary as she did. Mm-hmm. Her story is that she met Martin Scorsese way, way, way back during a summer program at uh, New York University, where she was taking an editing course. She had some experience editing movies, and she came in to help student director Scorsese with some problems on his film. But she didn't have a union card, so she couldn't. He'd wanted her to work on his stuff the whole time, but she couldn't until finally nineteen eighty. He got her in. Cool. Which which is I I love. I love the collaborative nature of like when you look at those movies, like he's brought, he's had this person with him all along, you know, since, since way, way, way back. And and that really has a huge thing to do with, you know, there's nobody else that, that he's worked with every single time. There's a huge level of trust between a director and an editor. I mean, it's not uncommon for that to happen. He has to know that she's going to capture his vision and not going to mess it up. Right. Um, gigantic part of this movie too. There's one credit name that I would like to call out here before we move on. The second assistant director, Vivi Borgia. Nice. That's V-E-B-E, Borgia, as in Victor Borgia. He... uh, Pardon me, madam, but did you lay an egg? (laughs) He uh, has had a great career as a first and second assistant director throughout his entire career. He worked on Goodfellas. He worked on The Talented Mr. Ripley. He worked on Glory. He worked on some great movies. But Connor... Yes. He also has had a lovely career more recently as the first assistant director on not one, but two law and order. Uh, oh, great. So, so there you go. So there. Oh wait, but so, he didn't, he didn't do the full law and order though. He doesn't have the full law and order trifecta. He's only got law and order, uh, SVU and regular law and order. Lived um, in New York. What I got yeah. out of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll accept it. Most recently he, he was the first assistant director on, uh, the leftovers, that TV series in 2014. So there you okay. go. What's all I got for the credits? That's, so. Yeah, I, th- I think that'll do for our... VB Borgia. Michael Ballhouse. This is where I <laughs> would normally would talk about a fun fact or the fuck count, but since the movie's over, we don't have those anymore. Instead, what I did was I sent a qu- little short questionnaire to our guests, all the people that have been uh, nice enough to come on our show, and I asked them a question about the film, and I thought it'd be fun to see what they said, but also you know give our own answers. So for the first question, it was... Name your three favorite characters from the movie. Wow. Now, Good question. Many votes. Uh, not everyone was able to respond in time. I, I, and I did not give them enough time. I, I thought of this late, but I got most. I got a quorum. I got a majority of the you're guests real, to respond. You're a real jerk. You know that? A majority <laughs> of the guests responded. So Six fucking emails you wasted on this show. The top three favorite uh, vote-getters uh, were Jimmy, Tommy, and a tie for third place between... Karen and Carbone. Uh, yes, Carbone. I was pulling for Carbone. Okay. Karen. Karen, Karen yeah. of all people. Yes. Huh. Uh, I'll tell yeah. you mine. Ed McDonald. Okay. <laughs> that, he's a late. He's a late comer. He's a, he's finishes <laughs> yeah. strong. He finishes strong. Sunny Buns. Okay. I struggled with this last Come on. one. Well. Come on, I, you struggled. I I did because I don't don't give me don't give me that Johnny Rose Beef shit. I, you know, I you could go Johnny Rose Beef. I really wanted to go Carbone. You went Frenchy. You went no, Frenchy. No, I went. I, <laughs> I had to go. I had to go. Obvious. I had to go Tommy. 
Wow. He's electric on the screen every time he's on the screen. It's true. I wouldn't. Tommy is not in my top three. All right. Mm. Favorites tough. My three favorites are Frenchie, Carbone, and Henry. Interesting. All right. Maybe Jimmy. Fuck. It's <laughs> hard, right? Or Polly. I'm sorry. I'll replace. Oh, Polly. Oh, it's got to be Polly. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's Frenchie, Carbone, and Polly. Wow. Interesting. Josh, Carbone. Number one with a bullet. Carbone, <laughs> Jimmy, Maury. Maury was one I considered as well. Wow. Yeah, it's not favorite. Like I like that guy the most, yeah. but I like when they're on. It's a it's a more it, like it's a more when Maury's on the movie's tense as hell. Right. Mm-hmm. Whenever Maury's on screen, you're like, oh shit. <laughs> My on. number one is Paulie. Number yeah. two, Carbo. And number three, Frenchie. Okay, there you go. In addition to these question and answers, I might give additional commentary by Gabriel Hardman because. Uh, <laughs> He not only answered the questions, no one's, he gave, no one's complaining. He gave detailed answers and paragraphs long explanations. Oh, fantastic. Fantastic. <laughs> but uh, his three favorite characters were Ed McDonald, and he wrote it as Edward McDonald as Agent Edward McDonald. Uh, <laughs> Catherine Scorsese's mother as Tommy's mother. Oh, oh Catherine one. Scorsese as Tommy's mother. And Joe Pesci as Tommy DeVito. So I feel good about my, my Tommy choice. Right. Those are all good answers. There's no, it's, there's no bad answers. No, this no is, there's an answers. abundance. Yeah. I mean, how yeah. can you not love John Roast Beef? Can you forward us Gabe's uh, treaties on these? Because I would like to know. <laughs> what, I would like to see the full paragraph about everybody. He didn't do it for this one, but for the other answers, there's paragraphs. Oh, great. Excellent. We'll get to the okay. other answers later in the week. But those are the three favorite characters. For the, from the guests, it was Jimmy, Tommy, Karen, and Carbone tied for third. And then uh, those are ours. So there you go. So those were the three favorite characters from the film. All right. Cool. This is a long one, guys. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like we don't want it to end. We, but we, doing, we, we still, two? we still got work to do, right, yeah, Josh? Still Go got take work. It. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, some of the most important people to the show are not just the guests, but they're the patrons, the folks who go over to uh, Patreon.com/gfm and they they pledge to support the show. And if you pledge a certain level, you get a mob name, and we got a backlog. We got to get through this week. We're running out of time. We got we got to do it. So we're gonna do it every episode this week because we have we have yeah. somebody to get through. Yeah. So do we have uh, our first name today? We do. Sean German. Oh, we already we already did the Kaiser. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sean German. Hmm. Krauthead. You know what's the funny crowd. is that it's, it's immediately well, it's making me think of uh, of the Godfather. It's that's my Kraut friend, Sean German. <laughs> right Kraut, there. Kraut Mick. Wait, so Mick Kraut? No, Kraut Mick. Hagen. Mickey Kraut. Mickey Kraut. Mickey Kraut. Oh. Ooh. Is that okay? Uh, yes. Is that okay? I don't know if that's okay. Mickey the Crowd. We don't have a German. We don't have a German on the show right now. We can't be like, oh, Ron's here. We can say whatever. Mickey the Crowd. I like Mickey Crowd. Mickey Crowd. Mickey 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 Schnitzel. <laughs> well, that's the whole the whole point is it's a it's a, it's a Godfather quote. Right. Crowd. Well, he's a crowd. Yeah. Because we would we would be quoting the Godfather all the time, right? <laughs> Mickey Crowd. Mickey Crowd. All right. All right. There we go. All right. All right. So the mafia name generator for Sean German mm-hmm. is No Brainer Fabiano. Nope. Hmm. Nope. We won. We won that one. Next. All right. Next name. Jarrett Gossett. Jarrett Gossett. That's a made up name at first, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's like it's just supposed to be a D. That's what the, that's what the mafia up. name generator gave him. Yeah. <laughs> Jarrett Gossett. Sounds like a lawn game. Four T's. Four, four T's. Okay, hold on. <laughs> T. 
the gosset. The goose? Just the goose? Because it sounds like gossage. Like that's better? Gossage? <laughs> You're trying to say sausage. Goose Gossage was a pitcher in the Yankees. Which is funny because I don't think I don't think Josh, did you know who Goose Gossage is or uh no. Like how did you I mean how did you make that, that reference? I didn't. I just said the goose. You said gossage. I thought you were saying the goose. Where did you come? Where did you get the goose? I got from a go- uh, goss. Goss. It sounds like Gosling. So it wasn't the fact that it wasn't the fact that there was a pitcher named Goose Gossage. No. What team was Goss- he on? The Yankees. That would have been late eighties. No, early. I 80s. remember that. So I, that was my. I, that was in my baseball. That was in your subconscious. That's in your. That, that came out of your subconscious. I think. No, it's because my kids have books where they have Goslings in them, and that's what it made me. Think. I like four T's. Four T's. He's got two T's in his first name, two T's in his last name. Four T's. Double T's. That's not double. That's quad T. Quad T. That's, that's too much thinking. Nickname. That's a terrible nickname. Green That's tea. too much thinking. It's too much thinking. I like the goose. I'm going to say the goose. Call, call I'll, the go goose. With, I'll go with the goose. All right. They would have been Yankee fans, so they would have, that's fine. All right. Uh, and so the mafia name generator for Jarrett Gossett is Bugly Eyes Fabiano. Again with the Fabiano. I don't know what what's wrong with the Fabiano. I gotta I gotta I'm gonna hit the side of the generator. I'm gonna re- <laughs> reboot it. All right, so there you go. Sean German, Jared Gossett, also known as Mickey Kraut and the Goose. Mickey Kraut and the Goose is a great title. <laughs> that's that's their sitcom. That's a great <laughs> title. <laughs> well, Mickey Kraut's here, but where's the goose? I don't know. The goose is always with Mickey Kraut. That's weird, right? I don't know. I don't like it. So that is going to do it for 141. I just I was I was writing a show in my head there. Uh, come back tomorrow for 142. Until then, you can check us out on Twitter at Goodfellas Min or Instagram or Facebook at Goodfellas Minute. And of course, you can find all of our episodes, all of the 140 we have done before this at GoodfellasMinute.com. Uh, if you do want to still support the show, you can certainly uh, still go to GoodfellasMinute.com/support and shop via our Amazon link, and you can you can pledge to Patreon all you want. <laughs> that would be that would be fine with me. If you have any questions, anything you want to uh, ask about, tell us. Contact at goodfellasminute.com. And uh, that'll do. We will be back here for 142 tomorrow. Or will I go from rags to return? My fate is up to you.